We're just coming off a primary election. Uh, so many of you, thank you, were supportive in that effort. Uh, we had an impressive victory, and I say we. I'm very proud of our team uh, for coming together, and, and our campaign team was firing on all cylinders. I, I happen to believe we have the best ground game the state of Indiana has seen in a long time, maybe ever. Um, so uh, in coming months, we'll continue to build that effort. Um, we raised a lot of resources, uh, which uh, certainly helped us. Our weight of message, uh, which was a focus on national security and, and some of the things uh, we've been able to accomplish here in Congress, uh, was just really impressive. And we had some outside help, uh, of course, there as well, and, and so uh, we're grateful for that. We ended up winning 72,000 more votes uh, than our presumptive Republican nominee for president. And uh, we also won among Cruz voters and uh, Kasich voters. The reason I bring that up is in part to preempt any questions about what I read into the presidential race. Uh, because it's, it's difficult for us to tease out of that data uh, really much useful information. Other than, let's continue to do what we've been doing. Continue to raise resources. Continue to... Uh, offer a uh, solution-oriented agenda uh, to Hoosiers and, um, and also acknowledge, acknowledge the frustration of folks uh, on account of this dynamic 21st century service-based economy which is disproportionately and adversely impacted so many Hoosiers. Indiana is the most manufacturing intensive state in the country. Uh, it's understandable that people are disaffected. Uh, as, as they've been outsourced and as their jobs have been automated and, and so forth. But nonetheless, uh, I think our job as, as legislators, even as candidates, is to go out there and continue to make the argument for things like free trade, for tax reform, uh, for regulatory reform, uh, rather than embrace superficial solutions. And, and so I'll be doing that on the stump. We still, of course, have some work to do here in our official capacities. So, um, uh, I'm working on a model uh, pertaining to education reform that uh, Mitch Daniels has already operationalized uh, in, at uh, the Purdue University level, uh, which would allow private individuals or institutional investors to invest in the education of, of groups of students. The students would pay nothing until they actually complete the course of study, and then they'd pay back a regulated portion of their future income. Um, I just cite that as one example. I'm looking for other opportunities. Uh, we just passed a, a welfare reform bill I'm, I'm very proud of uh, that uh, facilitates uh, public-private partnerships between government uh, and private investors and then not-for-profits who already have, have demonstrated through a very strong evidence base that they can help reduce recidivism, reduce the rate of, of infant mortality and, and so forth, and in the process save taxpayers money. So uh, assuming that these public-private partnerships succeed and certain benchmarks are hit, the investors are paid back out of future government savings. I enjoy working on, on creative solutions to pressing challenges. That's one reason uh, I aim to uh, uh, finish the deal here, go to the U.S. Senate, uh, defeating Baron Hill, a five-term former Democrat member of Congress who I defeated back in 2010. Uh, his record hasn't changed. I will be running a positive campaign, but of course, I have to draw some distinctions, and the distinctions won't change either. I'm a U.S. Marine. He's done different things in his uh, life, most of them involving elective office uh, for a long period of time. Um, he voted for Obamacare. He voted for the stimulus package. He voted for cap and trade. 
I hope this doesn't sound negative. These are just facts. <laughs> and, and they're unpopular facts among most Hoosiers. So um, uh, on account of continued fundraising success, uh, continued growth of our, our ground game, and um, the facts being on our side, I am very optimistic about the future. Uh, with that said, my aim, and I'll close with this, is to ensure that uh, we are sufficiently resourced and focused between now and say the end of the summer so that uh, the Democrats will perceive Indiana to be out of touch, out of reach, irrespective of what happens on uh, other spots on the ballot. So uh, all of you can continue to help uh, in those efforts and uh, thanks for the platform for making the case. Thank you. Go down the lines, Charles. Okay. Thanks, Ralph. And I want to thank you and, and, uh, and Jim and Rip on Society for putting this on. It's good to be back to see everybody here. I, I love coming in front of this group. It's always great. I, uh, a couple of things you don't know about me. One, I, uh, I'm the oldest of 10 kids, and so I had to learn responsibility, number one, because my father would look at me and say, you're responsible for getting us all in one place at, at one time. <laughs> Secondly, uh, in that context, uh, we always had a lot of people at the dinner table friends coming in and out, and if you didn't show up on time, oftentimes you missed a meal. And so I learned uh, that you have to settle your differences and, and compromise, otherwise you may not get a meal if you showed up late. And then as a heart surgeon, I learned three important things. One, trust. I mean, for God's sake, if, if you can't earn trust as a heart surgeon, uh, you're going to be very unsuccessful. Secondly, I learned to make decisions under life and death circumstances multiple times a day. So I'm not, I'm not intimidated very easily, and uh, I'm used to dealing with pressure. And thirdly, I learned to be decisive. Make decisions based on the information you have. What I didn't learn was patience. And I'm very impatient with this place, even after now in my 12th year serving. I am very impatient. People are angry and frustrated across Louisiana and across this country. And my message is, A, it's worse than you think, and B, B, it's time to get serious about real solutions. Real solutions to problems. Don't give me a 15-point plan on how you're going to change the world. Give me a problem and let me fashion a solution and take it from concept to legislation to law. And that's how I've tried to conduct myself in Congress, and that's what I intend to do as a U.S. Senator. In Louisiana, uh, we have a unique system. It's a jungle primary, so it's not a, a, an easy binary situation like many other states are experiencing with a Republican primary, Democratic primary, then Republican versus Democrat, uh, Democrat in November, and it's over. We're all on the ballot for the first time in November. We qualify in July, so uh, we don't even know what the field's going to look like, although there are about 10 candidates shaping up so far, so it's going to be a big free-for-all in Louisiana, um, kind of like Syria. But, you know, <laughs> you learn to operate in those kinds of environments. <laughs> Secondly, um, if nobody in November is over 50%, then we go into December runoff with a low turnout situation. And the top two go into that runoff. It could be the same party, Republican versus Republican. I've been there. It can be Republican versus Democrat. I've been there as well. So I'm not operating in this environment, but it makes it difficult. Difficult for us as candidates, but difficult for all of you and uh, others to support. You know, who do you support in this kind of free-for-all environment? Well, I'll tell you, I'm the Republican in the race, clearly. And um, I'm the one who's gotten results real solutions. Uh, the way the field's shaping up, I'm up against our state treasurer who's run 10 times statewide. He's in his fifth term as treasurer, but he's run for governor, he's run for the U.S. Senate twice, 
uh, now as uh, he ran at first as a liberal Democrat supporting John Kerry. Now he's running as a Republican. He ran against uh, he ran as a Republican in the past as well. He's run for governor. He's run for attorney general. He's got name recognition. My challenge is getting name recognition outside the district, which we are working very hard to do. But ultimately, it's going to come down to a, a very robust television campaign in the fall. Uh, that means you got to get the resources. And in Louisiana, it's very difficult right now with oil prices where they are. We're in our third year of statewide elections. The Cassidy-Landrew race, and last year a gubernatorial race, where in a deep south red state, the state went with a Democrat. And so that's the vulnerability. That's the danger in this. If I'm not the Republican candidate in that runoff, and one of the two Democrats gets in, this thing could go Democrat. And that's the case I'm trying to make, that the ordinary rules do not apply to Louisiana, number one. And secondly, in this political environment, they definitely do not apply. And so if you have you know, PACs, for instance, <coughs> that have rules about multiple Republicans, well, they better rethink this. And so should the leadership in the U.S. Senate if they want to make sure that we get the right Republican in this seat. Otherwise, this thing could go Democrat. I think the race is about three basic things. National security, protecting American interests and American lives. It's about growing this economy. And I'll tell you this, we, you know, we, we know what it takes to grow the economy on tax, on trade, on regulations, health care, so forth. I'll tell you, I'm a Republican internationalist. And if I'm the last person in this country screaming at the top of my lungs about free trade and opening markets and U.S. leadership in trade, then so be it. I'll do that and I'll defend it, and I feel very comfortable defending that. So national security, growth in the economy, and the third thing is the things that made this country great. Individual liberty, free markets, free enterprise, capitalism, entrepreneurship and innovation. I'm worried that this may be the first time in the history of this country that if somebody has an idea and they try to launch it, launch a small business out of their garage, they're gonna fail. And if you fail, you may not come back. Who's gonna give you credit? In the past, this country always valued entrepreneurship, risk-taking, and if you failed, you could come back and be successful. Of course, Abraham Lincoln's the prime example of that. But the fact is, I'm worried. I think we're at an inflection point. This country is going to really, the future will depend on this election. We have to sustain a Republican majority in the U.S. Senate. Louisiana could be the last race. It will be the last race likely in, in the country. And depending on the calculus, it could be the determining factor whether there's a 51 seat majority or not. It could come down to that. I'm ready for that fight. So thank you. Great to be with you. Well, thank you all for the opportunity to be here this morning uh, and talk a little bit about the race uh, for Senate in, in Nevada. Uh, obviously, uh, not to contradict my esteemed colleague uh, to my right, but uh, this seat will truly decide <laughs> who holds the majority in the USA. Uh, and why is that? Uh, because this is the only Republican pickup opportunity this cycle. And if you look at the rankings of the five seats currently ranked as most likely to flip party, the first four are Republican seats going to the Democrats, which would put us at 50-50. This seat is number five, which would put us back at 51. So my job is to hopefully expand uh, the Republican majority in the Senate, but at the very least, preserve the Republican majority in the Senate. And I don't think anybody in this room 
would doubt how important it is to have a Republican majority in 2017, regardless of who the occupant of the White House might be. And I talk about it primarily from the perspective of Supreme Court nominations. The next president will have the ability to nominate two, three, maybe four Supreme Court justices, which will allow for a generational impact that will far surpass the four or eight years that that occupant might have in the White House. So think about who you want conducting those confirmation hearings, uh, regardless, again, of who is making that nomination. Now, as I've traveled around the state of Nevada, it's pretty clear that after eight years of Barack Obama and 30 years of Harry Reid, uh, both America and Nevada is ready for a change. Uh, because they do talk about the frustration, the anger, the disappointment uh, that they've experienced, not just in the last eight years of this administration, but really in the last 30 years of Harry Reid holding this seat. Yeah, he's had this seat for 30 years. Now, as I travel, I ask people, what's your number one issue? Nine times out of ten, one of the following four things come up. National security has risen on the list significantly. Jobs in the economy is up there. Health care and education rounds out the list. The other 10% uh, niche issues, depending on where you are in the state, but nine times out of 10, one of those four things come up. And that works out great for me, because I've lived and worked in every one of those four areas. So when somebody wants to talk about national security, I can go back to the fact that I'm now in my 26th year in the Army Reserve, uh, been honored to be promoted to Brigadier General in 2014, honored to command some of the finest men and women that this country has to offer, deployed three times. Uh, so I can talk about national security more so than probably anybody else uh, currently serving. Uh, if they want to talk about jobs in the economy, besides being a physician and working in a hospital emergency department, I had my own business. I had a homeland security consulting firm. Uh, so I know what it takes to run a business. And uh, you know, my business uh, during the 2008 recession, like most consulting firms, was the first to see hits, right? Because the first thing that goes in a recession are the consultants. Uh, <laughs> learned how to keep my doors open and make sure people got their paycheck, even though you know, my, I went without the paycheck. So we didn't lay anybody off. So I know what it's like to run a business in today's uh, economy. Uh, on healthcare, uh, like my esteemed colleague, I've had 25 years working in inner city hospital emergency departments. If you want to know what works and what doesn't work in a healthcare system, come spend some time in an inner hospital, an inner city hospital emergency department. Uh, and lastly, on education. My undergraduate degree is actually in education. I thought I was gonna be a teacher until I did my student teaching assignment. <laughs> and I said, there is no way you can pay me enough to be a teacher. I'm gonna go do something less stressful. So I went into medicine. And, and I, to this day, I do believe that medicine is still much less stressful uh, than being a teacher. Uh, but when I got here, I actually asked to sit on the education committee. Now, you know, Speaker Boehner, uh, the speaker at the time, I was uh, elected by my class to be one of the members of the steering committee. And I went to the speaker who, as you all know, was one of the past chairmen of the education committee. I said, Mr. Speaker, I want to be on the education committee. And he looked at me like I was crazy. He said, Joe, nobody volunteers for the education committee. He said, it's kind of like where we put people when we've got, you know, we're done with all the assignments, there's open spaces and people left over. I said, no, education's important to me. I served on the Education Committee uh, in the State Senate, wanted to serve on the Education Committee uh, in the House as well. Uh, I've got three children that are products of the public school system. Each one has gone to a different institution of higher education within the state of Nevada. Uh, education policy is important. Uh, so I can talk to folks about the issues that matter to them uh, the most. And I think that uh, what I want to take is the experience that I've been able to gain by uh, being a congressman for the last six years and leverage that uh, over on the Senate side and hopefully uh, um, you know, not unlike uh, uh, Todd, you know, coming from a military background, we're very used in being a heart surgeon, very used to getting things done. <laughs> you know, when we say go, it's time to go. Um, 
Not so much as I found here in Washington, D.C. <laughs> Even less so across the campus on the Senate side. Uh, so they need some folks that are over there uh, that may have some interest in trying to get things done at a little bit quicker pace. Uh, and so to add to the incredible crop of folks that went over there, many of whom were in Todd's and my class when we came in in 2010, uh, it's time to bring more folks that have house experience over to the Senate to, as Charlie said, bring some uh, solutions-oriented approach to getting some legislation passed. So thank you very much.